199. A person can, indeed, reflect on the delight of his external affection, when this combines, so to speak, with the delight of some bodily sensation. But still, he does not reflect on the fact that this delight springs from the delight of the affection in his thought. So, for example, when a licentious man sees a harlot, the light of his eye glows with a lascivious fire, and because of it he feels a physical delight. But he nevertheless does not feel the delight of the affection or lust in his thought, except as a kind of longing associated with the body. So, too, when a robber in a forest sees travelers, or when a pirate at sea sees boats. So, too, in all other cases. It is apparent that these delights direct a person's thoughts, and that thoughts are impossible apart from them. Yet, the person supposes that he has only the thoughts. Even though thoughts are nothing but affections composed by the life's love into forms, in order that they may appear to the sight. For all affection exists in a state of warmth, and thought in a state of light. The foregoing are external affections of the thought, which do indeed manifest themselves in physical sensation, but rarely in the mind's thought. Internal affections of the thought, on the other hand, which give rise to the external ones, never manifest themselves to a person's cognizance. A person is no more aware of these than someone sleeping in a carriage is of the road, or no more than he is sensible of the rotation of the earth. Now, since a person is not at all aware of the activities that go on in the interior constituents of his mind, which are so interminable as to be beyond number, and yet those few external manifestations which come to the thought's sight are produced by the interior constituents, and since the interior constituents are directed by the Lord alone through his divine providence, while those few external manifestations are directed in conjunction with the person, how then can anyone say that his own prudence accomplishes all? If you were to see just one idea of thought laid open, you would see many astounding things, more than the tongue can express. The fact that the activities in the interior constituents of a person's mind are so interminable as to be beyond number is apparent from the interminable activities in the body. None of these comes to view or to the apprehension of the senses except movement only in a very simple way. And yet this requires the concurrence of thousands of motor or muscle fibers, thousands of nerve fibers, thousands of blood vessels, thousands of the constituents of the lungs, which must cooperate in every action, thousands of the constituents in the brain and in the spinal cord, and many more still in the spiritual self which constitutes the human mind, all of whose constituents are forms of affections and of the resulting perceptions and thoughts. The soul which directs the interior elements, does it not also direct the actions springing from them? A person's soul is nothing other than his will's love and his consequent intellect's love. Whatever the character of this love is, such is the character of the whole person. Moreover, he develops this character according to his ordering of things in his outward activities, in which the person acts in conjunction with the Lord. Consequently, 
If he attributes everything to himself and to nature, a love of self becomes his soul. While if he attributes everything to the Lord, a love of the Lord becomes his soul. This latter love is a heavenly love, and the other a hellish love. 